Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you. Those that minister, you did a wonderful job today. Praise God. Amen. Before we get too far into our service today, uh, first of all, I just want to welcome everybody that's here, want to welcome everybody that is joining us online today. We are very glad for you, We're glad that you are joining us. We believe that God's got a great word for you today. Um, like I said, I, I want to do something. Uh, we want to pray uh, today. Many of you may have known or heard about uh, Matt McDermott uh, passed away on Thursday and was in a car accident, and he went to be with the Lord in heaven, so it's really good for him. We'll miss him, but we want to pray for his family this morning, amen, for comfort and, and that God would just be with them. So would you join me in prayer right now? Father, we just come before you right now in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you, God, uh, for Matt. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his testimony. Lord, we thank you especially for the knowledge of knowing, God, that Matt is with you now. Lord, that he's in your presence, God, and we are so happy for him, and Lord, we bless him. But Lord, we do lift up his family that's still with us today. Lord, we, we pray, God, for Christine. God, we pray that you touch her and minister to her. We pray, God, for extended family, that you would comfort and bring your strength. Lord, that you would be with them and bless them. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. A couple things I just want to mention before we get into our message. Uh, had the opportunity uh, on Friday to go see the movie um, Jesus Revolution. And uh, <laughs> wow, I want to tell you that is a great, great movie. Ministered to me, bawled like a baby through the whole thing, man. <laughs> Two hours of crying. Me and Kathy. Uh, there was probably about 100 people in the theater, other Christians. They were talking, wanted to tell them, be quiet. But we were bawling like blade babies, man. We were sobbing, holding hands. And it's just like, holy cow. Man, it was a great movie. And just want to uh, encourage you, if you get an opportunity to go see it, uh, that you go. Uh, we are working on when it becomes available to uh, uh, show it here. We would like to do it here in the service, show it up on our big screen and use it as maybe a way to evangelize and to bring people in that otherwise wouldn't come in because uh, this is a, it was well done, a great story and um, uh, just a great testimony of, of what God can do and will do. And I believe he's beginning, uh, to be honest with you, I don't believe the, uh, the uh, timing of the premiere of this movie is by chance. Amen. I believe God's making a statement. And so I believe revival is here. Amen. And so I'm just very excited about that. Also, uh, would like to just encourage everybody, encourage all the men and all the ladies for tonight, uh, five o'clock. I know there was a, a, a screenshot that we had on the board uh, on the screen. Uh, it's at six o'clock, but it's really five, five o'clock for Men of Valor and Bloom. I encourage you guys to come out. Of course, men are in the next building, all the way in the back in the youth room. Women are up here in the sanctuary. want you to come and be a part of that, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen? So 5 o'clock, and so come and be a part of what God's doing there. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. We'll get to that here in a minute. I want to begin by... Um, 
providing some context um, uh, to you of, of where God's taking me and the thinking and the things that the Lord has put on my heart, okay? Um, I think that many times sermons are preached, you could tell what it's all about. It's like, okay, that's a great idea and all this. Uh, my concern uh, in this series that we've been doing is that you truly understand why we're doing it. And the reason why we're doing it is because, and, and I, I guess the best way that I can express this is because in the day and age we live in, in the world that we live in, it is so very easy to get distracted, okay? It's so very easy to get distracted. There are so many things right now that are vying for our attention. You know, our, our technology and the things that make life convenient and kind of speed up life, it has a downside to it as well. And that downside is it's robbing us of some very precious things. Technology is robbing us of creativity. It's robbing our attention span. You know, it's, it's amazing that our attention span is getting down to the point where we can only receive things in about 90-second bites. And it's like, it's really hard. Unless the entertainment value is really high and the production is really high, we, we have a hard time staying engaged because and, and we move from thing to thing to thing. And, and <clears throat> it's very easy to get distracted. It's very easy to get pulled aside. And not necessarily by things that are wrong. They're just things that have really no value. They, they don't necessarily edify. They, they certainly do not move the kingdom of God forward. They don't bring any particular growth to us. It's not that they're wrong. It's just they're not God. Amen? It's not that they're bad. It's just not walking with Jesus. And remember, the devil has a strategy. The devil has a strategy, and this is his strategy. If he can't destroy you, then he wants to derail you. Amen. He wants to, to sideline you. If he can't destroy you out and out, if he can't just ruin your life, then what he wants to do is make you ineffective. Because he certainly does not want you to grab a hold of the revelation of Jesus Christ and who you are in him and who he is in you and all of that. He doesn't want you to grab a hold of that because once you do, you're going to change the world. You're going to see God move in a way that's unprecedented. And so I was thinking about this. I didn't have the opportunity to share this with the 830 service. So I want to share a, a scripture that God revealed to me or showed me or stood out in my daily reading yesterday that I really felt grabbed the, the heart of what I'm trying to say. It's found in 2 Corinthians. I don't have it on the screen, but I'll read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 4 out of the New Living Translation Paul is writing, and I want you to listen to his heart. He says, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. In other words, what Paul's saying, he goes, you know what? I love you guys, man. He says, I love you, and I, and I, and I want you, and, I, and I've birthed you. He goes on, and he says, um, he said, I promised you, I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning waves of the, spirit of the serpent. You happily, listen to this, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, 
even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Here's what's happening in the church in Corinth. Paul is obviously, he went there, he pioneered that church, he won those people to the Lord, he brought that about, birthed that into existence, and then he, as his way was, would journey to other places and preach, and as he goes, he would leave other people in charge. But then there were certain people, some of them were Judaizers, some of them were different kinds of people, different philosophies and doctrine, and what would happen is these these really good people, these really wonderful people would listen to anything anybody would say. Sounded good. It's got to be God, right? Sounds good. How can something that feels so right be so wrong? And this is where Paul is, and he's writing this, and he's saying, look, guys, you can't, you can't just say, it, it blows me away. I'm, I'm often amazed, I, and, and, and I am going to pick on human nature just for a little bit. Not, once I get done with this, we'll move on to really cool things, okay? <laughs> it always amazes me that people, when they move churches, when they move from church, see, the Bible is very clear. It says God places in the body as it pleases him. Amen. I know we think and we like to tell ourselves we got a lot to do with it, but God is involved in this. Amen. See, I know for a fact, I know for a fact, I know, here's the truth about my life. There, I know that I'm standing on this platform. That's true. But there is a greater truth about my life than me standing on this platform. And that is I am placed here by God. I know that. I know that, because if I had anything to do with it, it wouldn't be here. It just wouldn't. It's not that it's bad, it's just, it's just wouldn't. But I'm here at the pleasure of my Lord and Savior in heaven. Can you say amen? amen. And what amazes me is we've had, and I've seen people that have left churches and gone different places simply because they didn't feel comfortable. They espouse to a belief system. They have a belief system. They are full gospel believers. They believe, but then they will go to a place that is comfortable, never understanding the doctrine of the place they just went. Paul's writing. He goes, I love this. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. The same thing's happening here. So we just, we just, man, we just love it when people come and speak. But are they saying the right thing? Are they going in the right direction? Are they distracted? Are you distracted? Because that's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get pulled off course. I remember back in the day when I was still working, um, uh, back Pastor Pennington, Pastor Howard Pennington, Pastor before me, and, and there was another man here, Brother John Myers was with us, and we would go do concrete. And one of our greatest, and I know I, 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 if he's watching, he probably ain't going to like me telling this story, but Howard don't. He's in heaven. He, he don't care. But John, John, John may not like this, but that's okay. I'm going to tell the story anyway. We were, we were working on a concrete. We were doing concrete for this house. And the house was shaped like a horseshoe. 
So rather than just making a great big box and squaring it as a big box, we thought we would square every little piece. But the problem with that is if you're one little bit off on one, it really gets big. And when the framers went in, we were three and a half feet out. Now, framers are good. They can, they can make up a half inch or a quarter inch here and there. But they ain't making up three and a half feet. I mean, we were short on this side three and a half feet and long on this side three and a half feet. And we never noticed it. Because see, just a little bit of distraction a long way down the road is you're completely off course. And that's what we put up with. This is the same thing Paul's writing. He goes, you know what? He goes, just, just, just put up with me just for a little bit. I, I, just, this, I know it's foolish, but you know, bear with me. He says, I, I'm jealous for you. I love you. I, man, I, just, I want you. I, I've birthed you. You, you're, you, are, you are something. I, I've birthed you to be a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear somehow something has crept in and distracted you and, dev- and, and diluted your devotion. You're accepting all kinds of things now. So hence the reason why. This is explaining why I feel it's so necessary to preach on this subject of living in righteousness. Because on one side of the coin, righteousness has been used as a baseball bat to beat people into submission. And that has never been the heart of God. And on the other side of the coin, righteousness has been used or neglected or just washed away as if willy-nilly, it don't matter what you do. And neither are the truth because neither of them are who we are in Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing our attention on what it means to live in righteousness. And if we can catch the understanding of this subject, it will revolutionize everything. And let me tell you something, and just hang on with me. It all begins with understanding our need for a deeper relationship with our Father in heaven. And also understanding our need for a deeper walk with him in all things. So for that, for that truth to transform our lives, there needs to be two fundamental elements that must be understood and they must be growing in our daily lives. And that's understanding who God is in us and who we are in him. And I believe this is what Paul was talking about in Romans 12, too, when he said, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't be distracted by the world. Don't, don't imitate the world. Don't, don't be engrafted into the world. Don't be a part of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. He understood, Paul understood, that transformation comes when we think differently. See, the problem is today, there are many of us who've been set free from slavery, but we're still thinking like slaves. There's many that have been delivered from being an orphan. We are now sons and daughters, but we still think like orphans because we're conformed 
to the world. There's not been a transformation. And the reason there hasn't been a transformation is because we haven't had our mind renewed. We're still hanging on to the old things, the old lies, like you're no good. Or you're a failure. Or you're ugly. Or you're fat. Well, you're fat. Well, hey, I embrace it. Don't care. I am who I am. I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm working on the fat part. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My body does not define me, nor do my clothes. And I'm going to tell you something, church. This has been a revelation that has been at work in me for a long time, and I've had to pay a, a, a price for this. And you say, why is it? Because I've gone through struggle after struggle. I've looked in the mirror and hated the guy I saw. I could only think about my failures and my flaws. I could only see the down. And God says, why do you see just that? Look beyond that. And you'll see a Savior that's dying on a cross for you. You will see somebody that loves you with an everlasting love. You will see the one that looks beyond your flaws and sees the potential of your life. It sees the gold in you. I know there's trial. I know there's tribulation. I know there's failure. I know there's things that are messed up. I know there's temptation. And I even know that you have fallen to it. But I love you. I love you. And you need to understand this, we need a transformation in your mind. See, when we understand who God is in us and who we are in him, we discover our true identity. And it's through that identity that we have a relationship with our heavenly father. In many ways, it's the filter through which we relate to life around us. And through that identity, we're empowered to walk with him and like him. In John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those that believe in his name, who were born not of, the, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This whole thing was God's will. We are the children of God when we walk with him. Walking with him begins by walking like him because you cannot walk with him if you do not walk like him and this is exactly why so many people struggle in their Christianity because they simply do not know who they are therefore they continue to think like the old man yeah they live unredeemed they lived as if they were unredeemed working for only what they can receive. Are you hearing me? So the question is, is there an answer for all of this? Resounding, yes, there's an answer. God has not left us to our own devices. He has not left us to figure it out on our own and figure out how we're going to live in righteousness. But 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That, listen, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And listen, please do not get hung up on gender. That's for women too. You say, why are you repeating all of this? Because we need to get it. We need to get it. 
And sometimes it has been my experience in my life, and I don't think I'm much different than anyone else. I have to hear things a few times before I get it. Last week, we began this journey of instruction in righteousness by looking at Romans 5, 1 through 11, and this is what we learned. We learned that because of Jesus and his work on the cross, we have salvation by grace through faith. We have been redeemed, reconciled, restored, made righteous by no work of our own, but by faith in him alone. And because of this position of righteousness, peace has been restored between us and God. We have access to his presence and his power at any time for anything. If I could, can I, would you indulge me on a bunny trail? You know what that means? It means you, whether you realize it or not, are living over an open heaven. You are living right now under an open heaven. You have access to heaven and all that it's supply. All of it right now. So it doesn't feel like it. It's because we just haven't walked in it yet. Let me tell you something. God's a good father. Can you imagine now, and I, and may have, you might have done this and this may have happened to you, but I'm not saying this is good parenting, but can you imagine taking your three-year-old kid and going, today you're going to learn to swim and throwing him in the deep end? We laugh, and, you know, and it's funny, and sometimes we've done that, and, people, and, and it is an effective way because you either swim or sink, one of the two. But you know, God's not like that, you know? Amen. You know what God does is he says, look it, I'm going to teach you. First, what I'm going to do is bring you in. I'm, I'm going to give you my righteousness, and I'm going to put you in position. You are righteous. Now I'm going to instruct you on how to live that out. I'm going to show you how to walk who you are. I'm not going to make you become who you are. I'm going to make you who you are, and then I'll teach you how to walk it out. That's what he's saying. Can you say amen to that? We live in a remarkable state of grace, divine ability with great and precious promises given to us so that through them, listen, we can be partakers of the divine nature All my Christian life, I heard that I was the victim of my fallen nature instead of hearing that I could be a partaker of the divine nature. That is what separates those that struggle and those that walk in victory. Because if you're going to make it about me, we need to all go to McDonald's for lunch right now because I'm not going to get it done. But I could tell you that Jesus can get it done. Can you say amen? Therefore, because of this, we can glory and celebrate in all our tribulation, knowing, let me just, just in the spirit of vulnerability, last night I was down here at the church. It started by saying, hey, Kathy, you want to go drive around in the snow? That's how it started. We left our house. And it was snowing. So much, couldn't even, we couldn't even hardly see our road, could we? Well, I'm, and when I see, see the road, it's not that we couldn't see out the window. But I, I, hey, man, I've driven in snow before. Persevere. <laughs> so we're driving. We get out on Stockton Hill Road, and we're driving, we're driving. Get a little bit further, and it dawns on me. Well, if it's snowing like this here, it's got to be snowing at the church. I wonder how the church is doing. So we get down here, and it is coming down. 
I mean, it's like a blizzard. And, and I, I get here, and all of a sudden it dawns on me. I get hit. I get hit with this thought. Nobody's coming to church tomorrow. There's going to be 18 feet of snow. You're going to be standing there, and Kathy is going to be right there. You're going to preach your sermon, and you're going to say, I want every head bowed and every eye closed, and I know there's sinners in this place. You need to raise your hand. <laughs> but it hits me. All of a sudden, I think, oh, my, oh, what's going to happen? I wonder. And then 8.30 service was kind of light. I'm like, wow, what's happening? And I'm like, immediately I start feeling like a failure. I didn't cause the snowstorm. I'm not that powerful. I didn't hold those people in bed either. I'm still not that powerful. But yet I'm taking the blame. And then I started looking around. I, I, I had to go over to the office and, and get something. And, and it was during song service that I come out and I look at the parking lot. And it looks a little sparse. And I'm like, oh, dear God. And the devil's going, see, one snowstorm, take your church right out. And I'm like, you lying devil. And so I thought of my sermon. And I thought, you know what? Thank God this is happening. Thank God. Because what's going to happen is we're going to have an off-the-hook service. And what's going to happen is God's going to show up. People are going to be changed. Because in, his, in my weakness, His strength is perfected. Our troubles are working for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. The trying of our faith brings us to a place of hope. And hope will not disappoint. And we can see just how far God went to bring us home. Can you say amen? So this morning, what I want to do is I want to move on where we left off. Romans 5, verses 12 through 17. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's great gracious gift is very different from the result of this one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. To truly understand the depth of what this passage is speaking to us, we need to see the wonder of we and to see the wonder of God's work 
we need to simplify here. So if I could simplify it just for a moment. Imagine with me, if you will, a young man who takes all that he has, sells it, takes the money, and builds an incredible house. Everyone who saw it stood in amazement. In every way, this house was perfect. The design, the materials used to build it, even the color of paint was amazing. But one day, war broke out. Fighting was everywhere. Nothing, no one was safe. Bombs began to explode, guns firing, armored vehicles, soldiers everywhere, and they destroyed this young man's house. What was once beautiful, amazing, perfect in every way was now a shell with broken down walls, shattered windows, burnt wood, gaping holes in the roof. But determined not to give in to this great tragedy, the young man decided not just to rebuild it like it had been, but he would rebuild it with much tougher material. It would look better too. He wasn't just going to put things back as they had been. This was an opportunity to, some, to do something really spectacular. I think the point of my story is obvious because this is exactly what God did. See, what God has done through Jesus is far, far more than simply putting the human race back where it was before the arrival of sin. What God has done for us is spectacular. If you thought what God did for Adam and Eve, it's nothing compared to what Jesus has done for us. So how do you know that? Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. If, that, if nothing gets you, that should get you. That should arrest your thinking. What God has done for us in the age of grace, through salvation, through Christ, through the work of the cross, is nothing compared to what God did before. Or I should say, that's nothing compared to what God's doing now. In the old covenant, sin could only be covered for a season. In the new covenant, sin is removed. The stain is washed clean. The power is taken away. In the old covenant, there was a separation between God and man. In the new covenant, we are guaranteed eternal access. In the old covenant, we became righteous by keeping the law. In the new covenant, we are made righteous by faith in Christ. Say, so, well, I don't know if I'm experiencing any of that. Preacher, you don't understand. I'm still struggling. Yeah, I've given my life to Jesus, but man, I, I have some horrible things that are tripping me up. I have horrible things that I think and I feel and things that I'm tempted and do and say and believe on and on and I'm struggling. It just seems like God is out to lunch. What, what's going on? No, look at what did we hear last week that God has given us weapons 
supernatural weapons. He has given us tools and weapons that we can use to the pulling down of strongholds. But the problem is we don't use them. He's given us his name, his word, his blood. He's made a covenant that is far better than the first covenant. And you know what he has done? He has become the priest of a better covenant, a better thing for us with promises that are better. He's made a way. We are not old equipment with new parts. You ever notice that you can buy equipment online? You can, you can go online right now to Amazon and you can look up a, a computer and you could say refurbished. I don't want a refurbished computer. I don't want somebody's problem. I want a brand new one. I want that shipped right from wherever it's shipped from. I, I want brand new. I don't want somebody else's problem. How many know what I'm talking about? I don't want an old thing with new parts. I want brand new. When God came and we accepted him, we became a brand new creature in Christ, Christ Jesus. We became a brand new species. Yeah. Oh, well, now you're just getting out there, aren't you? Yes, I am. Amen. I'm going to get all the way out. I'm going to get out there where the leaf hangs. <laughs> because that's the word of God. Amen. We are brand new. And what God's saying is, you are not righteous because of anything you've done. You are righteous because of what I've done. That's who you are. And the reason you're not walking in righteousness, the reason that you're distracted, the reason that you have these problems is because you simply don't know the truth about who you are. You are buying into a lie. Everything we are, everything we are is wrapped up in that statement. It's at the very core of our salvation, the very core of our identity as sons and daughters of God in heaven. Let's move on. Romans 5, 18 through 21. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Uh, righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over, the, over people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You know, I had a person ask me after 8.30 service came up to me, and he said, what are you saying, preacher? I, I, nothing, I'm, I'm golden, I'm good, doesn't matter what I do. No. Next week, we're going to look at chapter 6. And chapter 6 is going to kind of tighten the nuts down. You ever, you, ever, you ever put something together where you kind of leave all the nuts and bolts loose a little bit? You kind of got to want to shimmy it in, get it into place. God goes, that's what we're doing. We're kind of getting this into place. We're, we're setting up your position, and then we're going to crank it down. Because that's where he's going to help us. 
See, it does matter. He asked me, the, the guy asked me, he says, so, so, so you're saying I can't backslide? I said, I didn't say that. So I can't sin. No, I didn't say that either. So what if I'm sinning? Stop it. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. Can you imagine? I go to Larry's house. Linda calls me up and says, you got to get over here real quick. I said, why? Well, it's, it's bad. What's happening? Well, Larry's out with the horses eating hay. I go over there. Larry's on all fours eating hay with the horses. Larry, what's up? Oh, no. I just, have you ever tried hay? It's great. No, never tried hay. Never, never. Oh, it's great. You ought to try it, man. That, I'm telling you, it's, it's wonderful. And drinking out of that tank right there, man, that's it's awesome. Larry, I'd look at Larry and go, Larry, it's not who you are, bud. It's not who you are. Don't. I know it might be good for horses, and, and it may even taste good for a season, but that ain't who you are. It's not who Jesus made you to be. Well, I just got to be me. No, no. No, no. You got to be who Jesus says you are. And the reason you're there is because you just haven't exercised your identity. You haven't stepped into what God has made for you. See, there's, we're still, there's many, like I said earlier, they're walking as slaves, but they're really free. They're free, but they're still walking as slaves. That's just the devil. It's not. That's not the devil. That, that's some kid with a, with a thing, but the devil's just stirring him. He's just, just kind of twisting his toe. It's okay. It's all right. You say, why? Because I know I'm on, I'm, I'm on a nerve. If I'm not on your nerve, I'm definitely on his. Amen. You say, how do you know that? See, when distractions come up, it's like, uh-huh. Oh, now, see, the devil's not real smart. He usually tells you. See, it's like, do you understand you're, you, you're giving yourself away here? You're not real covert here. Anyway, the reality is we have to start walking in our identity. Now, this last part, this last part of Romans 5, we need to understand it, and I'm going to bring it to a close. So let's go back to our story with the young man and the house he built. So instead of seeing one house, I want to imagine two houses across the street from each other. One house is nearly destroyed, and it was the first house the young man built. The second is the new house with better material, a greater design, and richer colors. The first house is sad, broken, decaying. It once was filled with life. Now only death reigns there. The second house is spectacular, filled with light and life. Other than the fact that these houses are on the same street they, and the fact that they're both houses... There is no other comparison. One is not the opposite of the other. The one was what was the best man could do. The other was the best God could do. And this gives us the idea of the contrast that Paul is using to teach us what God has done for us. And as we go further in Romans 6, 7, and 8, we're going to unpack that difference. 
And what's going on here, and what we're seeing here, is that we've been given such an opportunity to choose which side of the street we're going to live on. Will we be like the house destroyed, reflecting the failure and the nature of Adam? Or will we embrace the remarkable grace freely given and reflect the victory and the nature of Christ? They are not opposite. They're on two different planes of existence. And church, if you've believed Christ as your Savior, if you've allowed Jesus to come in, then I guarantee you everything you need is intact. I've been thinking a lot about this for a while now. Spending time in my own life, going through the examples of my own life, the struggles that I deal with, the hurts, the wounds, the flaws. And you know, I'm coming to to a place where I'm beginning to see that that's not who I am. It's not who I am in Christ. In Christ, I'm perfected. In Christ, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ, I'm a king and priest before him. In Christ, I'm a part of his body. In Christ, I'm the head and not the tail. In Christ, I'm the above and not the beneath. In Christ, I lend and don't borrow. In Christ, I have all power in heaven and earth. In Christ, I am the temple of God. In Christ, I walk in relationship and communion with the creator of heaven and earth. In Christ... I am all that he says I am. And so you know what we have to do? We have to begin to fight. We We have to resist with who we are in Christ. When the devil comes and goes, no, that ain't you, look at him and say, you're lying. You're lying. Here's the thing, church, I know. I was telling my wife this the other day. We were, we were sitting and talking. And I was having one of those days that was difficult. And I said to her, I said, you know, the problem is, is it feels so real. I know it's a lie. But it feels so real. It feels so right. It feels it's easy. And the reason it is, is it's because it's the path of least resistance. It's... It's, it, there's no resistance there. But God says, I want you to rise above that. The good news is, God says, if you'll do it my way, I will strengthen you. I will enable you. There will be remarkable grace flowing through you. Because that's my promise. Because that was who you were created to be. When we think like that, our mind is renewed. We are transformed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When we think like that, we don't go for the distraction. When we think like that, we have a focus on Him. Amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, God, for this revelation. We thank you that you are teaching us truth. And we pray, Lord, that as we go to our homes, that 
this would become more and more real in us. Father, that you would remind us, God, continue to keep this alive and at the forefront of our thinking, God. Help us, Father, those that are here that, like me, struggle. Lord, that they struggle with things in their life to really make sense of them. God, I pray that you open their eyes. God, take the scales off. Let us see clearly, God, exactly what you've done. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, I'm going to ask the prayer team if they would come. They'll be up front here. If you need prayer for anything, just come up. Let God touch you. Let them pray for you. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you. Remember, we're going to be in chapter 6 next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.